Today's Bible reading comes from Acts 5, starting at verse 12 to 42. The apostles performed many signs and wonders among the people, and all the believers used to meet together in Solomon's colonnade. No one else dared join them, even though they were highly regarded by the people. Nevertheless, more and more men and women believed in the Lord and were added to their number. As a result, people brought the sick into the streets and laid them on beds and mats so that at least Peter's shadow might fall on some of them as he passed by. Crowds gathered also from the towns around Jerusalem, bringing their sick and those tormented by impure spirits, and all of them were healed. Then the high priest and all the associates who were members of the party of the Sadducees were filled with jealousy. They arrested the apostles and put them into the public jail. But during the night, an angel of the Lord opened the doors of the jail and brought them out. Go, stand in the temple courts, he said, and tell the people all about this new life. At daybreak, they entered the temple courts, as they had been told, and began to teach the people. When the high priest and his associates arrived, they called together the Sanhedrin, the full assembly of the elders of Israel, and sent to the jail for the apostles. But on arriving at the jail, the officers did not find them there. So they went back and reported, We found the jail securely locked with the guards standing at the doors. But when we opened them, we found no one inside. On hearing this report, the captain of the temple guard and the chief priests were at a loss, wondering what this might lead to. Then someone came and said, Look, the men you put in jail are standing in the temple courts teaching the people. At that, the captain the captain went with his officers and brought the apostles. They did not use force because they feared that the people would stone them. The apostles were brought in and made to appear before the Sanhedrin to be questioned by the high priest. We gave you strict uh, orders not to teach in this name, he said. Yet you have filled Jerusalem with your teaching and are determined to make us guilty of this man's blood. Peter and the other apostles replied, We must obey God rather than human beings. The God of our ancestors raised Jesus from the dead, whom you killed by hanging him on a cross. God exalted him to his own right hand as prince and saviour, that he might bring Israel to repentance and forgive their sins. We are witnesses of these things, and so is the Holy Spirit, whom God has given to those who obey him. When they heard this, they were furious and wanted to put them to death. But a Pharisee, Pharisee named Gamaliel, a teacher of the law who was honoured by all the people, stood up in the Sanhedrin and ordered that the men be put outside for a little while. Then he addressed the Sanhedrin. Men of Israel, consider carefully what you intend to do to these men. Some time ago, Thedas appeared, claiming to be somebody, and about 400 men rallied to him. He was killed, 
all his followers were dispersed, and it all came to nothing. After him, Judas the Galilean appeared in the days of the census and led a band of people in revolt. He too was killed, and all his followers were scattered. Therefore, in the present case, I advise you, leave these men alone, let them go, for if their purpose or activity is of human origin, it will fail. But if it is from God, you will not be able to stop these men. You will only find yourselves fighting against God. His speech persuaded them. They called the apostles in and had them flogged. Then they ordered them not to speak in the name of Jesus and let them go. The apostles left the Sanhedrin rejoicing because they had been counted worthy of suffering disgrace for the name. Day after day, in the temple courts and from house to house, they never stopped teaching and proclaiming the good news that Jesus is the Messiah. Thanks for that, Betsy. That was a long reading. Um, we're going to spend time this morning on the last sermon in this block of what we'll do in the book of Acts. I hope to cover most of the book of Acts over the year, but we'll do it in blocks and this will be the last sermon in the block. Next week we'll do something else. We want to talk about some future stuff to do with our church and we'll pray and do a devotion around that as well. And then it's Easter. <laughs> Ooh figure it, hey? Uh, yeah, it's Easter. So, I wonder if you can remember where you were in 2004, Boxing Day. What happened on 2004, Boxing Day? Anyone? Yes, that's right. The, the tsunami uh, took place. I will never forget the um, just the images, you know, and I had to sort of just look at some of them again this week and, and the, the scale of some of those images where you saw, you know, these walls of water that came hurtling towards those coastlines. Um, and I, it, it sort of made me think of this, this, this biblical image that, that, that we get in, in places like Job where, where Job is told... You know, can you essentially restrain the seas? Who, who told the seas where they should stop? And, and, and we're not given this image, but I have this image in my head of, you know, a tsunami is an extreme case, but, but trying to hold back all those waters. And, and, and the sheer size and scale of it just makes me come up with this one word. And, and, and kids, if you need to concentrate and you struggle to concentrate in, in sermons, try and count how many times a single word is repeated, and this is the single word that comes to mind that you can count today. It's this. Unstoppable. Those waters are unstoppable. I, that's, that's, that's naturally speaking, I don't know, the most powerful image that I could think of this week, that of something that is etched in our heads that is unstoppable. I mean, I can also talk about things like time, COVID, um, unstoppable. 
there's something that we see in what we read this morning, and, and I'll say up front, I'm going to talk about the bottom half of the story, not the first half. Some of the themes that come up there we've already dealt with, um, but I wanted them read for the context, so you just are in the picture. But I'm going to talk about the bottom half. And we see in that bottom half, this is the guts of what we'll see today, is that Jesus died, Jesus was raised, Jesus ascended, he was exalted to be Lord and Christ. Jesus begins something on earth that is called his church, that is his new society of humanity that Andrew pointed to this morning that is different, in which he is Lord. Spiritually, they are children of God who knows God as a father and physically the promise is in the future all things will be made new a new world, a new heavens, a new earth. That's what Jesus is doing. And it is unstoppable. <laughs> it will not be stopped. That's what we get. That's the, that's the guts of the, of the passage. Now, you know, I, I've given you the game here of what you're going to get today. Let me just show you the workings of it. See how that plays itself out in this passage in Acts. Verses 27 to 32, the bits where we're not going to deal with deeply, we, we, it brings us to this point of great tension. Did you notice that there's a group who's called the Sanhedrin? They're, they're the, the authorities of the day, the Jewish authorities. They're more than just church leaders, okay? Jewish authorities, the Sanhedrin back in those days, they were the government, they were the courts, they were the justice system, they were everything. Under the Romans, but they had the power to sentence people to death. They had the power to uh, enforce laws. They were quite an authority. Already before in Acts, they told the apostles, you should not talk about Jesus. The apostles ignored them. You read the stories of how they day after day continued to preach Jesus day after day. We see these signs and wonders. Jesus still performing and manifesting his glory and his greatness through miracles, signs and wonders, again and again and again. And they get in trouble, these apostles. It reaches the moment where there's this critical standard. Have you ever been in a position where, where you know, you stared someone down across the table and, you know, they weren't going to budge and you weren't going to budge and there's this, I don't know, something's going to give. And, and this is the moment that we get up to in Acts when these apostles are in front of these uh, the Sanhedrin, these religious leaders. And it's almost, you know, they, they've just told them, we're, we're going to listen to God, we're not going to listen to you. Right? And you're just waiting for that snap to take place where these re religious leaders are saying, okay, well then, it's the cross for you. Death sentence. But just before it happens, the circuit breaks and it breaks with this person who you met in the story. His name is Gamaliel, or Gamaliel, or we don't really know how it's said. I'll just roll with Gamaliel. And I might pull some slides up if I can, thanks, Georgia, at this point. All right, let me... Whoops. Yep, verse 34. That's the circuit breaker. But a Pharisee named Gamaliel, teacher of the law who was honoured by all people, stood up in the Sanhedrin, ordered that the apostles, the Christian men, be put outside for a while. 
Who is this guy? Gamaliel. He's a Pharisee. I, I can tell you a lot about Pharisees and all the intricacies around that. I, I won't go too long about it. Suffice it to say that the Jewish authorities were, you know, a little bit like the Christian church today. They're all Christians, but some of them have certain nuances and values, the Baptists and Reformed people and Pentecostals and so forth. And the Jewish people are a bit the same. They're these different strands, if you like, and the Pharisees were one of them. The thing they really majored on was what's called the sovereignty of God. They really believed that God was in full control of all things, right? That was one of their particular bees in their bonnet, if you like. They believed in the resurrection, whereas Sadducees and some of the other parties didn't. So uh, they were different in that sense. And they were also a little bit lenient to enforcing their laws overtly, strictly. The other parties, Sadducees and such, would have been happy, I think, to see the apostles murdered that day. But the Pharisees are the ones who said, no, 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 well, hang on a second, hang on a second. We've just got just to think about this, you know. And Gamaliel is one of those. He's a Pharisee. He gets up. And we read the story. You heard what he said. It's, it's pretty simple, um, his advice, really. Oopsie, Georgia. Do I have another slide there in the back? Sign? Georgia? Do I have another slide? It's turned on. My main question is that I haven't fed Georgia the wrong stuff. No, there is another slide. That's why I'm asking. <laughs> yeah, okay, cool. Um, all right. Can I go back one? Yes, that's the one. Thank you, guys. All right. What does Gamaliel say to this crowd of the Sanhedrin? His advice is... Actually, pretty simply, he says, hey, you know what? There's been two movements before this Christian movement. One was led by a guy called Judas. The other was led by a guy called Judas, not the Judas who betrayed Jesus. In the years leading up to this time, what you did, you Jewish religious leaders, you killed the leader. When you killed the leader, the movement died out. Okay. And he goes, well, hang on a second, you've just got to look at this Christian movement. You've already killed the leader. <laughs> but the movement doesn't seem to be dying out. And in fact, it's gaining traction. It's going up. Gamaliel's conclusion is to say, well, maybe, maybe we just need to be mindful that maybe God has a different plan here in mind. Now, I don't know about you, but I, I, I asked the question at this point, is, is Gamaliel's wisdom good wisdom or bad wisdom? It's, it's a question worth asking. I'm reluctant to say to you that you can say to yourself in your own life, if you want to test if something is from God, see if it hangs around or not. I don't think you can make that blanket application here. You know? And I don't think that's what Gamaliel said, because there are some things in your life that are going to hang around, and it is not from God. Right? Let's take an extreme case. We, we, we could talk about abortion and say, well, it's hanging around, it's not going away. You know, it's constantly being pushed. Maybe it is from God. Probably not. Probably not. So let's not read. I've heard people say that. I've heard Christians say that. That, you know, a way to test whether something in your life in our society is from God or not is just simply see, does it hang around? You don't have to take any action. 
You don't have to resist it. You don't have to oppose it. You know, just this fatalism almost to see if it looms around, must be from God, accept it as such. I doubt that's what Gamaliel meant on that day. Okay. I don't think we should read it as such and I won't preach it to you as such. I think what he said was, my Jewish brothers, we have taken firm action to deal with this. We've killed the leader. It is not going away. Maybe, just maybe, God, who is higher than us, who sees further than us, has a purpose with this that we cannot see. I don't know if he even might have gone as far in his own thinking as saying, maybe, just maybe, remember Joseph's words to his brothers, what you have meant for evil, God is using for good. There's just ever so much of a chance that we are wrong. And there's every chance that God is in full control of this new Christian thing. And if he is, <laughs> he says to those Sanhedrin brothers of his, you are not going to stop it. Unstoppable. We will be trying to hold back the tidal wave that is washing over. You're fighting against God, he says to his peers, his colleagues. Now, can you just let your imaginations run with me for a minute? Imagine if he was here today. Imagine if we could interview him today. Hey? 2,000 years later, if we, if, if, we could, if we could have him here and say, Rabbi, this was the advice that you gave on that day. It's estimated that today, I think this was around 2,000, that around the world, 2 billion people are happy to identify as Christians to say that this Jesus who was proclaimed is Lord and Christ. Estimated that by 2025, this number will rise to 2.6 billion. Unstoppable. Now, not all of the 2.6 billion would be Christian. We know there's, you know, this is people identifying themselves as Christian and whatever that means. God knows within that what it truly means and what not, but it's significant, isn't it? To say that 2.6 billion projected people would identify that Jesus at least identify with Jesus, you know, whether they live under his, his lordship as Christ or not, put that aside, but, but let's be conservative and say at least a billion of that would. <laughs> Unstoppable. I think that's the message. And I want to talk to you this morning. I, 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 I don't know where you are at with Jesus. I, I, I know many of you, I know many of you live under the lordship of Jesus if you're not. There are many reasons why you should consider him as Lord and Christ. But can I ask you this morning if this could be one of them? Can it speak to you that you're here this morning and I am here this morning because Jesus was unstoppable? He did not stop then. He does not stop now. Can you know as chaplains in your role that the 
if and when you may be witnesses, can you, if you're a Christian, know that where you are a witness and you are sowing the seed and doing what the apostles did, the seed you are sowing of the gospel is unstoppable. It cannot be stamped out. It will not be stamped out. And it will never, ever go away. Gamaliel teaches us that point today, whether he intended to or not. I mean, maybe he expected that it would go away. Maybe he'd hoped that it would go away. I don't know. But it didn't. Because we're here. <laughs> right? So let me then move towards a, a close. I've only got one more thing to say before we sort of really wrap up. There's the question that we can then ask, but okay, what is it about Christianity that makes it so unstoppable? Every Sanhedrin... Down every age made the same conclusion. Try and stamp it out, you'll only flare it up. What is it that makes it such? There's many things. Of course, it's God, because God's behind it. That's Gamaliel's advice. But there's one thing about how God moves his tidal wave of Jesus' work and transformation forward. He has a very particular way of doing it, a very unique way. And that comes out in this little passage as well. Did you notice what those disciples did? They were flogged. That's 40 lashes, minus one, so 39 lashes. Wasn't with the cat of nine tails, as, as we know it in our more recent history. This was similar to Jesus' one, caught with three strands. Very often, those beatings would result in death itself, just surely by blood loss, or at least, uh, you know, the, the, the nerve reactions to it. Had them flogged. Okay, we're not going to kill you. We'll listen to Gamaliel, but we'll have you flogged. Put yourself in their state. What would your response have been after having been flogged? I don't know, but, but here's what they did. They left it. Rejoicing because they had been counted worthy of suffering disgrace for the name, which is for Jesus. Day after day, in the temple courts and from house to house, they never stopped teaching and proclaiming the good news that Jesus is the Messiah. I mean, wow! Would you? I just, I, what a thing, isn't it? How, how defiant, I guess, in the first place. But, but, but I ask the question, as I ask you to ask yourself, what is it that makes these folks walk away from copying such a beating, such conflict, such stress, and they simply go back to it, day after day? I think it's because they knew that what Jesus is doing is unstoppable. <laughs> I know they say to themselves, I think that God is sovereign, we know Jesus, we are filled with his spirit. He is unstoppable. And because he is unstoppable, we will not stop. Do we get beaten? We carry on. Do I face oppression? I carry on. Am I unpopular because of my belief in Jesus? I carry on. Does it cost me a lot of money because I believe in Jesus in the way I run my business? I carry on. Why? Because God is unstoppable. It's fascinating that they didn't think the other way around. We would be tempted to say, well, maybe Jesus is stoppable. Otherwise, why are we getting flogged? 
Maybe Jesus is stoppable. Otherwise, why are we getting murdered? And yet for them, none of that happens. <laughs> Seems they just, be, they just get pushed further into their, their, their almost irrational conviction that God is unstoppable and because he is unstoppable, we carry on. Can I read you a story? Um, sort of as a conclusion, just of a more modern day example of what we've seen in the lives of these disciples. This is coming from the, the 1970s. It's 20 years after the Korean War uh, between a communist North Korea and a democratic South. And, and, and by the way, South Korea is, out of the 2.6 billion people who consider themselves, themselves Christians, South Korea would be almost chief among them as far as the percentage of people who, who are pro-Jesus, you know. This is coming from their history and what led them to that point. Here's, here's how the story goes. It's quite, quite deep. This is written by a South Korean pastor. And here's what he says. The communists were vicious to the pastors. One pastor's family were captured in Incheon, Korea, and the communists put them on a people's trial. They dug a large hole, putting the pastor, his wife, and several of his children in. The leader then spoke. Mister, all these years you've misled the people with the superstition of the Bible. Now, if you will publicly disclaim it before these people and repent of this misdemeanor, then you, your wife, and your children will be freed. But if you persist in your superstitions... All of your family is going to be buried alive. Make a decision. All of his children then yelled in terror. Oh, Dad. Dad. Think of us. I mean, think of it. What would you do? I'm the father of three children. And I'd almost feel like going to hell rather than see my children killed. This father, in that story, was shaken. He lifted his hand and said, yes, yes, I'll do it. I'll, I'm going to denounce my... But just before he did it, just before he finished his sentence, his wife nudged him, saying, Oh, hush, children. Tonight, we are going to have supper with the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. She led them in singing in the sweet by and by. The children, the husband following, while the communists began to bury them. Soon the children were buried, but until the soil came up to their necks, they sang, and all the people watched. Unstoppable. Unstoppable. The largest Christian church in history. 830,000 members. South Korea. It's these people who are part of it. Unstoppable. 
Can I ask you today who you are in the story of Acts? My dear friend, do you identify with the religious leaders? Are you set up against Jesus? He will not be stopped. Are you like Theophilus to whom this whole letter is written? He's not sure. Is Jesus worth that much? This much? And Luke saying to him, yes, he is. He's worth that and he's worth more and more and more. He is unstoppable. He is Lord. He is Christ. Those kids buried in that hole were raised and will be raised completely and fully. Are you perhaps like the disciples in this story? Like me, quivering, quaking, perhaps too timid in witness because I don't believe that God is unstoppable. (laughs) The point of this story and the point of the history of the Christian church is clear. What God is doing in our world through his son Jesus will never go away. On this rock I'll build my church and the gates of hell will not overcome it. You can either oppose him in futility or embrace him with confidence, even if it costs you hardship. Can I finally conclude by just playing you the song that these folks sang in that story? I listened to it this week and I, um, I was moved by it. Can I ask that you just reflect on the words wherever you are in your faith and perhaps that as Andrew prayed, the Spirit will move and just instill in us that same confidence that they had. And when it's finished, I'll pray for us. All right. Thank you, Simon and George. There's a land that is fairer than day.
Please pray with me. Father, we pray, I know, in united voice, that you will be unstoppable in the lives of those who we love and care, that who resist you. Be unstoppable in your grace. Fill them, overtake them, wash them, embrace them, and make them your children. No matter their resistance, futile as it is. Father, I pray for those here today who are your children. So deepen, so strengthen our firm conviction in your unstoppability. Lord, that we would be seed sowers of the gospel, that we would cling. Make us like our sister in South Korea and her children and their father. Make us like your followers in Acts. Lord, give us such a firm love, such a conviction, such awe, such wonder at your sovereignty and the fact that you want to extend your grace beyond our wildest imaginations. Make us such, we pray. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you, music team.